Welcome to the Celebration Church Podcast. We are so glad you've joined us and we hope you are encouraged by today's message. Come on, aren't you glad Pastor Sovon and Carrie are back with us? After ministering in Thailand and being with our, our friends at One Hope, man, it's always good to have them back. And it is gonna be a great week. Hopefully you'll be able to participate uh, at the open house starting on Tuesday. But we're gonna do 20 minutes of covenant. Are you ready? I can guarantee you out of all the times I've ever preached, I've never preached for 20 minutes. And so do you believe in modern miracles? Amen. So uh, if you have your Bible, open up to Genesis chapter 15. We're gonna get there in just a second. And uh, I told the first service, I love when Pastor Matt plays behind the reading of scripture, always makes it sound more spiritual. And uh, don't you love the team, the worship team that we have at Celebration? They do a great job. <laughs> Pastor Matt, Marie and Ryan and Mo, just the whole team, Kendra, all of them do great. Remember growing up, did you ever grow up in church? For those of us, you were in church like long time ago, back in the day. Remember growing up in church and the music was bad? <laughs> you remember that? So like if church was really powerful that Sunday, you knew it was the Holy Spirit because it sure wasn't the band, you know? But now we got good music and the Holy Spirit is the best of both worlds. So I love it. We're gonna talk about covenant today. Someone say covenant. Hopefully you've been following along uh, in the whole story, our Bible reading. Uh, last month we talked about the Holy Spirit and this month we're on the topic of covenant. And uh, let me share this with you even before we read scripture. Um, it was a few years ago. Uh, I was I was speaking at a youth conference in Arkansas, and um, and in between sessions I went outside, and uh, there was all, like all these middle school boys that were kind of just you know fooling around and playing, and it was right when those like I don't even know what they're actually called, but like those little hoverboard things that kids had, and you can like go forward and backwards, you know, you just lean, and they were all playing on those, and I remember going up to one of the middle school boys, and I said I was like, man, that's really cool, that's that's almost like one of those Back to the Future boards. And, and the middle school boy looked at me and he said, what's a back to the future? And, and, and so watch this, here I am, I'm trying to explain a board that was in a movie and he doesn't even get the movie reference. Church, listen to me. In, in modern day, in 2019, we try to explain things like marriage and, and, and loyalty to Jesus, but meanwhile, people don't even understand the word covenant. And so my hope is that in the next 22 minutes and 39 seconds, that's so fast, that clock is demonic. Good Lord, that is so quick. But my hope is this, my hope is that you leave here today. <laughs> yes, <laughs> he's the only one who can violate the clock. I gotta, I gotta stay, I gotta be on time. So, so we gotta talk fast. I'm praying that you leave here today understanding covenant because here's the deal. You'll never understand marriage unless you understand covenant. You'll never understand loyalty to Jesus unless you understand covenant. You ready to jump in? Genesis 15 in the New Living Translation, it says this. Sometime later, the Lord spoke to Abram in a vision and said to him, do not be afraid, Abram, for I will protect you and your reward will be great. But Abram replied, O sovereign Lord, what good are all your blessings when I don't even have a son? Since you've given me no children, Eliezer of Damascus, a servant in my household, will inherit all my wealth. You have given me no descendants of my own, so one of my servants will be my heir. Then the Lord said to him, no, your servant will not be your heir, for you will have a son of your own who will be your heir. And then the Lord took Abram outside and said to him, look up into the sky and count the stars if you can. That's how many descendants you will have. And Abram believed the Lord and the Lord counted him as righteous because of his faith. 
Then the Lord told him, I am the Lord who brought you out of Ur of the land of the Chaldeans to give you this land as your possession. But Abram replied, O sovereign Lord, how can I be sure that I will actually possess it? Then the Lord told him, bring me a three-year-old heifer, a three-year-old female goat, a three-year-old ram, a turtle dove, and a young pigeon. So Abram presented all these things to him and killed them. Then he cut each animal down the middle and laid the halves side by side. He did not, however, cut the birds uh, in half. Some vultures swooped down to eat the carcasses, but Abram chased them away. And as the sun was going down, Abram fell into a deep sleep and a terrifying darkness came down over him. Then the Lord said to Abram, you can be sure that your descendants will be strangers in a foreign land. Well, they will be oppressed as slaves for 400 years. So he's referencing Egypt uh, right here. That will eventually happen. But I will punish the nation that enslaves them. And in the end, they will come away with great wealth. As for you, you will die in peace and be buried at a ripe old age. And after four generations, your descendants will return here to this land for the sins of the Amorites do not yet warrant their destruction. And after the sun went down and darkness fell, Abram saw a smoking fire pot and a flaming torch pass between the halves of the carcasses. So the Lord made a covenant. Someone say covenant. The Lord made a covenant with Abram that day and said, I have given this land to your descendants all the way from the border of Egypt to the great Euphrates River. I wanna talk about covenant. Talk about covenant, specifically this covenant that God makes with Abram. So as we talk about covenant today, I also wanna say this, that this is a message uh, as well for those of you who have lowered your expectation of what God might do in your life, in your circumstance. You've lowered your expectation, but you need to be reminded just as Abraham is right here that our God does exceedingly more than you're even thinking. And part, part of what is happening in this covenant is God is raising Abram's, who later will be Abraham, has a name change. He is raising Abram's expectation to get up on the level that God lives. It's a lot bigger than the level that we tend to live, right? And so if you're taking notes, I've just entitled this message sometime later, sometime later. So Father, in Jesus' name, speak to us today. We recognize that your word, the Bible, is not like any other book that we have on our shelves at home. It's living, it's alive, it is sharp, it is double-edged. It, it has the ability to get to the deepest places of our soul and spirit and heart. Lord, let us lean into your word today. I pray that it shapes us, that we leave better than we came. Lord, let us not just be hearers only, let us be doers, let us be active, let us be demonstrators of what we know to be true in your word. God, we love you. We thank you that your Holy Spirit is gonna reveal things to us today about covenant that maybe we've never seen before, we've never known before, but God, covenant is one of those supremely foundational things that we read in scripture. And Lord, we wanna leave today with our eyes and hearts being open to all of it. In Jesus' name, and everyone said amen. Amen, some time later. Now, in order for you to really fully understand Genesis chapter 15 and all that's going on right here, uh, grasping this covenant that God is making with Abram, you really need to understand the backstory of this guy, Abram, and his wife, Sarai. Now, later, their names are changed to Abraham and Sarah, but that hasn't happened just yet. And they had a dream as a couple, just like a lot of other couples, to have children. But unfortunately, here in this passage of Scripture, they find themselves with the inability to conceive. Now, let me ask you this question, church. Have you ever been in a season of life, in a moment, where you have been wanting something from God, but as you find yourself waiting on it, it seems to be happening for everyone else around you? 
Like maybe some of you know what this actual scenario feels like. Like you're wanting a child, you want to conceive, you and your spouse, you wanna have a baby and you find yourself in a moment of, of not being able to and it seems like every other girl you talk to is getting pregnant. And you're kind of a little frustrated by it, but on the outside you're like, I am so happy for you, that is amazing. But right, but like on the inside, it's, it's, it's weighing heavy. Or like you're wanting the promotion, you're believing God for increase and it just, you feel like you're at a standstill, but all of your buddies keep telling you about how they're just constantly getting raises and bonuses and now they're the president of their company. You're like, God, what is going on? I, like that's where we find Abram and Sarai. They're right here in the middle of a moment like that. But God steps in, he challenges them to have some massive faith in Genesis chapter 12. Now we don't have time to read 12 right now, but God speaks to them and he basically tells Abram, I am going to make you into a great nation. Great nation. He says this to a man with no sons, no kids, but I'm gonna make you a great nation. Nation. Another time, God says, you're gonna be the father of many nations. Now, I would imagine as soon as they hear this, they are filled with encouragement. They are filled with excitement. Oh my gosh, babe, there it was. God said it. We're gonna be great nations. It's gonna happen. We're about to get pregnant. This is amazing. They're so excited. They're picking out baby names, right? If it's a boy, we're gonna name them this. If it's a girl, we'll name her that. They immediately go to Pinterest to find out like their motif for their nursery. What are we gonna do? How are we gonna create it, right? Like they're, they're so excited. They're reading all the right books. Sarah's reading what to expect when you're expecting. They have everything they need. They are fired up because God said great nations, right? So here they are. They're, 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 they're getting themselves ready and 30 days go by, right? They're thinking, this is it. We're gonna get pregnant this month. But all of a sudden, 30 days pass, she takes the test and it's negative. They're not pregnant yet. And they're probably thinking to themselves, okay, God, like, of course we're not gonna get pregnant on the first month. Like, God knows we need time, right? We gotta get our ducks in a row. We gotta, we gotta get stuff together. Gotta build that nursery off the back of the tent, right? So like, we gotta get our stuff together. God, God knows, right? But then another 30 days go by, test is negative again. Now we're talking 90, 120 months and months and months pass, and they're still not pregnant. And so, so it's a little frustrating, right? Like I said, you know, already this message is for those of you who've lowered your expectation of what God might do. And so in Genesis 12, God calls Abram, he makes a promise. But now we fast forward to Genesis 15, which we just read. And I love verse one. And I want us to, if they could throw Genesis 15, verse one out of the New Living Translation. In all of our locations right now, Julington Creek, Orange Park, What's up? And anyone watching online and everyone here at the arena, I would love for us to just read this together, but only the first three words out loud on the count of three. Ready? One, two, three. Now, just so I make sure that our other locations are with us, right? You did a good job, but let's just do it one more time because it's got to sink in. The first three words. One, two, three. Some time later. Church, I've come to the conclusion that one of the most frustrating verses to actually have to live out in your own life can be found in Genesis chapter 15, verse one, in the first three words, sometime later. Because like, when is sometime later? When is that? Like in Genesis 12, there was a promise, and now here we are in Genesis 15, and it's some time later, and truthfully, we don't know exactly how much time has passed, but we know between Genesis 12 and Genesis 15, it has at least been a decade. It's at least been 10 years. Some biblical scholars would argue even more than that. And so, great nations, Genesis 12, Genesis 15, 10 years later, still no baby. 
kind of frustrating, don't, don't really understand what God is doing. Have you ever felt like you were stuck in some time later? See, truthfully, right, all locations, uh, truthfully, if we were honest with ourselves, a lot of you have your own version to this story sometime later. We can imagine what Abram and Sarai are feeling like, God, where are you? God, did I, did I hear you right? Was that you? Was it not you? Have you forgotten about me? Because from Abram's point of view, nothing was happening. And so Abram responds back to God in the middle of sometime later. And we find it in Genesis 15, verse three, when he says again, 10 years after at least the initial promise, and he says, you have given me no descendants. I still got none, God. I've given me none, so now my servant's gonna be my heir. Then the Lord says, no, your servant will not be your heir. You're gonna have a son, he's gonna be your heir. Then the Lord took Abram outside and he said to him, look up into the sky, count the stars if you can. That's how many descendants you'll have. It brings me to my first point, church. If you're taking notes, write this down. Number one, the covenant is about God's family. Has always been about God's family, right? Right now in our church, we're talking about the whole story, the overarching story of the Bible, the story of God. And now here we are in this one piece of Genesis 15 with the covenant. What does the covenant have to do with the whole story? It's about the family. It's about the family of God. The covenant is about God's family. And Abram, like typical humanity, is only thinking in addition, but God's thinking in multiplication. And we see this to be the heart of God early on in civilization when he looks at Adam and Eve in Genesis chapter one and 28, and he says, be fruitful and multiply. He did not say be fruitful and add. See, here's the thing about addition and multiplication. They are both increase, but yet one is exceedingly more. And, and sometimes as believers, we find ourselves in these moments, if we were honest, where we believe God for increase, but you're still thinking addition. The increase that God is thinking is much, much larger. It is exceedingly more than whatever you have cocked up in your mind, whatever you think in your mind, like God is always way out in front of us. Abram is thinking of one son. God is thinking of a whole family. Abram is fixated on one. God's thinking a number that cannot even be counted. I wrote this down, church. If God always met your expectations, then he would never have the chance to exceed them. And so in Genesis 15, verse five, the Lord takes him outside. And he says to him, look up into the sky, count the stars if you can. That's how many descendants you'll have. God took him outside. He took him outside. Why did he take him outside? Because he had to change Abram's perspective. Sometimes our problems seem so large because our perspective is so small. So God's, God's like, I, I, I gotta change your perspective. You, you can't just stay in this tent. As long as Abram stayed in the tent, his perspective was small. I mean, imagine this with me. Sometimes you gotta put yourself in the seat of the character that you're reading about. As long as Abram stays in the tent, all he can see is the nursery room that he built with no baby in it yet. As, as long as he stayed in the tent, all he can see is the high chair that he built with no son in it at the end of the table. His perspective is small, so God says, get out of the tent, come out here with me, let me enlarge your perspective. You're thinking about one, I'm thinking about all this. It's about God's family, God wants family. In fact, Genesis 22, the Lord says, I will multiply your descendants beyond number. The original language, what it really means right there is a number that cannot be counted. 
Abram, you want one. I want a number that you can't even, you can't even imagine. The family of God. Abram wants a son, God wants a family. Abram wants an heir, God wants a nation. And then through that nation, he will redeem and get back other nations and people that have fallen away from him. Look what it says in Galatians chapter three, because here's the real hope for those of us in this room right now. We'll start reading in verse 26. For you are all children of God through faith in Christ Jesus. And all who have been united with Christ in baptism have put on Christ like putting on new clothes. There is no longer Jew or Gentile, slave or free, male and female, for you are all one in Christ. Now look at verse 29, this is amazing. And now that you belong to Christ, you are the true children of Abraham. You are his heirs and God's promise to Abraham belongs to you. That is a shout-worthy, praise-worthy scripture right there. Abraham was looking for a natural family. God says it's not just natural. There's gonna be a spiritual family that's gonna come into this through my son Jesus that I will send and he will bring people into this covenant. (laughs) Abram could not have possibly understood all that this covenant represented, but God's thinking bigger than him. God's thinking whole family, massive family all over the earth. In Christ, you are Abraham's seed. You are an heir in this covenant. This was such a big, this was such a revolutionary concept. The church even wrote a song about it years ago and we all sang it in Bible school, right? Father Abraham had many sons. You know it. Many sons had Father Abraham. I'm one of them, so are you. So let's just praise the Lord. You get it? Right? In Christ, you get to participate in this covenant. In Jesus Christ, Abraham wants a son, God wants a family. Number two, the covenant is valuable and precious. It's valuable and precious. The Lord said, bring me a three-year-old heifer, a three-year-old female goat, a ram, a turtle dove, a pigeon. So Abram gets the things, he sacrifices them, lays them side by side. Then the Bible said in verse 11, some vultures swooped down to eat the carcasses, but Abram chased them away. Uh, before I jump into some more kind of points, I gotta give you a little bit of background right here about Old Testament covenants. This is important for you to understand. In an Old Testament covenant, what would typically happen is two parties would come together and they would want to strike up a covenant with one another, an agreement, a promise. So what they would do is blood would always be shed. There would always be a sacrifice. And then the two parties would walk through the carcasses. It's kind of, it's kind of gross. I get it. It's kind of messy. They would walk through the halves of the sacrifice. And basically what they are saying as they did that is let what has happened to this animal happen to me should I break this covenant. That's heavy. That's next level. Like these days, we stand in an altar with our spouse and we just give a ring, right? Old Testament covenant, next level kind of stuff, right? Okay? And so the two parties would do this, but also take notice of Genesis chapter 15. Notice in this account with God and Abram, Abram does not walk through the sacrifice. You can read it. Read it in your Bible. Abram does not walk. God, in fact, puts him to sleep. Abram does not even walk through the sacrifice. Why does Abram not walk through the sacrifice? Because the Lord knows, Abram, you can't keep this covenant. You you can't keep this. In fact, you have nothing to actually offer me. I need nothing from you. So what I will do as a loving, gracious, faithful God is I will enter into a unilateral covenant. In other words, God is saying, I will be faithful to this covenant even if you're not. 
And so the Lord himself passes through the sacrifice. Abram does not. God passes through the sacrifice himself. He swears upon himself because there is no name higher. And God makes this covenant with Abram knowing that he has no chance of keeping it on his own. So the Lord says, let's not even try. I'll just make this covenant with you. And the Lord makes it. And the Lord strikes this covenant and enters in, right? I wrote this down. We're not changed by making promises to God. We're changed by believing God's promises to us. Now, what I mean by that is this. Listen, the Bible tells us that Abram believed and it was accredited to him as righteousness, right? We read that, right? He believed. Someone say believe. Let me help you with this word believe because we've cheapened it. We've cheapened it in 2019. Like a lot of times, all all we think of when we think of faith and belief, all we really think of is like intellectual agreement. I believe it. I I agree. Like I have faith in Jesus. I intellectually agree that he is, you know, the son of God. But listen, faith is more than just intellectual agreement. Faith is obedience and demonstration. Like I'll ask you, how do we know Abram believed? Like, how, how do you know, how do you know I have faith? Like, you can't see my faith, like in here. Like, you can't see it in my heart. You can't see my belief. You can't see my faith. How do we know Abram believed? Because he packed up all his stuff and he moved to a place that he knew not of, fully led by the Spirit of God. That's how we know. There was an obedience. There was a demonstration. There was an act involved. And what we've done in the church in modern day is we have created a dumb dichotomy between faith and works. And we've put the two at odds. And we've looked at people and said, is it one or is it the other? That's silly. It's both. It's both. There's certainly there's a, something that happens where we intellectually and in our heart agree and come into alignment. But yet there is this act of obedience and demonstration. And that's what we see right here with Abram. He's obedient. He demonstrates his belief by following the Lord. But look what it said in verse 11. In verse 11, it says this. It said that vultures came to devour the sacrifice that Abram was preparing. And what the Lord showed me right here is, look, church, even on day one, in the midst of God making this covenant with Abram, there came things that would wish to devour it. On the first day, you see, Abram had to fight to hold on to this covenant from day one. And I just wanted to remind you right now that there will be things in life, the enemy certainly for one, that wishes to wipe away and devour the covenant that God has made with his people. The covenant that you can be a part of through Jesus Christ. Now the enemy cannot physically destroy the covenant. He's not that strong. Like it can't be, he can't break it. God made it. I mean, it's not, enemy can't break the covenant. But what he will do is he will do his absolute best to wipe it away from your mind, your heart, your remembrance. He wants you to forget who you are and whose you are and all that has been afforded to you because of this covenant. He wants you to forget the covenant. Because if he can get you to forget the covenant or be on the outside of the covenant family, then you are vulnerable, you're in danger, and he knows he has you right where he wants you. He will try his very best to wipe the covenant away from our minds. But it's in those moments that you gotta be reminded. I love what Paul said to Timothy when he said, look, faith is a fight, bro. Faith is a fight. And as the enemy comes and wishes to 
to have us forget this powerful moment of covenant making that our God made with us. There's gotta come a moment as a believer where you're like, no, I stand firm. I will fight off every attack, every doubt, every fear, every worry that the enemy tries to bring my way. I'll look the enemy in the face and say the same God that went into covenant with Abraham is going into covenant with me. The same God that protected Abraham will protect me. The same God that led Abraham will lead me. The same God that delivered Abram's descendants will deliver me because our God is a covenant keeping God through all generations. Somebody say, it's a fight. It's a fight. He's made the covenant, but you gotta remind yourself day in and day out, this is for you. This is for you. It's for us. It's for us. The last one I'll say is this, point number three. The covenant has a clause for comebacks. The covenant has a clause for comebacks. The Lord said to Abram, you can be sure that your descendants will be strangers in a foreign land where they'll be oppressed for 400 years as slaves. I'll punish the nation that enslaves them and they'll come away with great wealth. As for you, you'll die in peace. You'll be buried at a ripe old age. And after four generations, your descendants will return here. See, there's a comeback. We'll return here. The covenant basically told Abram two things. Number one, don't worry about yourself. You're gonna live to an old age. I got you, bro. Don't worry about it. Number two, don't worry about your kids. I got your kids. From day one, God had plans for a comeback. From the very beginning, God was already planning a comeback of Abram's descendants. It reminded me of the New Testament story and the band can join me now. It reminded me of the New Testament story of the prodigal son. Now, for those of us who grew up in church, that's probably a very familiar story. The point I wanna focus in on right now is that point when the father looks at his servants and he says, please go and prepare the fattened calf, right? Do you remember that? Raise your hand if you remember that moment. Please go and prepare the fattened calf, right? Now, listen, I'm no farmer, okay? It comes to a shock to many of you, I know. I'm no farmer, uh, I don't raise livestock, I never have. But I'm also not an idiot, and I know this. Fattened calves don't get fat on their own. Watch this church, every day the son was out wandering in rebellion, there was a dad at home in the barn feeding a calf. Every day, the son was saying to himself, I'll never go back to dad's house. I'm never going back to that place. You'll never catch me. There was a dad at home in a barn feeding a calf, preparing for the return of a son. You know what the fattened calf shows us about God the Father? Is that even when you weren't thinking of me, he was thinking of you the whole time. Even, even when you were wandering, even when you were away and you wanted nothing to do with the family of God, you wanted nothing to do with his purposes on your life, he was still a father that was preparing a comeback from day one. And God tells Abram on the first day, it's day one. And one of the things that he wanted Abram to know from day one is, hey, I'm already planning a comeback for your seed that may fall away, but, but I love them so much, I'm already preparing a way for them to get back. The covenant had a clause for comebacks. 
And the comeback was not just afforded to those who had been enslaved in Egypt for 400 years, but it's been afforded to every single individual who has been enslaved by sin and death and unrighteousness. He has made a way for a comeback. Just as Galatians chapter three shows us, when you are in Christ, when you demonstrate that loyalty to Jesus, what happens in that moment is you enter into the covenant family. And because of Jesus, you are able to come back into the family that God wanted all along. <laughs> Abram was thinking of one son, but from the very beginning, God was already thinking about you and your family trying to get away for you to come back. He's a comeback kind of God. But listen to me, church, and listen to me very carefully. And no one leaving right now, because this is, the, this is like we, the whole entire service, worship, Pastor Stovall's word, everything has culminated to this point right here. So let's just respect it because someone's gonna have a powerful encounter with the Holy Spirit right here. But listen to me, Here, here's, the, here's the truth of the matter. I would be a horrible pastor if I didn't tell you the truth. The truth is this, if you are not in Christ, if you have never demonstrated loyalty to Jesus, you are on the outside of the covenant family. And just like that prodigal son, you're vulnerable. It's trouble out there, it's dangerous out there. Now, yes, he's, he's prepared just, just like that dad feeding that calf. A comeback celebration has been prepared, but you gotta make the choice to come back, to come back into the family. We do that, Galatians would tell us, Romans would tell us we do that by placing faith in Jesus. There's an obedience there, there's a demonstration there. We see that in the life of Abram, but that's how you get back into the family. It's about family. Abram wanted one, God wanted you. He wanted nations, he wants your whole family, your whole family. You know why Pastor Stovall and Carrie, you know why we talk so much about the table? Because the table's about family. God, listen to me, God doesn't just want one person at the table, he wants your whole family. He's, he's selfish in that way, that, that he wants them all, he wants them all. But if you wanna get in right now, you gotta make sure you're in Christ because that's the only door that's getting you back into this covenant family. And the good thing about 2019, where we sit right now, is that we live in the dispensation of grace and the door is still available to us should we wanna walk through it. And there's a celebration on the other side. But there will come a day when the dispensation of grace ends and the door will be closed. Now, it might seem harsh or whatever. That's just the truth of the matter is that the covenant is available to you now. Step into it. So with every head bowed and every eye closed, I wanna give people a chance to do just that. God wants family, he wanted you. It's your chance to respond to Jesus. The book of Romans would say, when you believe in your heart and you confess with your mouth that Jesus Christ is the son of God and that the father raised him from the dead, you can be saved. If you're ready to place faith in Jesus, he is ready to celebrate you today in his family. I would ask on the count of three, I'm gonna count to three, and if that's you, I want you to be bold and courageous. It's, like, it's just, think of it as a first step of some demonstration. I want you to stand to your feet on the count of three right where you are. 
Boy, so many people did this in the first service. Today is just a day of salvation here at Celebration Church, and it's your day. On the count of three, coming into the family, one, two, three, stand to your feet right now. Stand to your feet. Be bold, be bold, do it, be courageous. Silence the voice of the enemy. Today is your day. Come on, anyone else, come into the family right now. The covenant family through Jesus, it is available right now. Five more seconds. Anyone else, anyone else, today is your day. Your heart is beating so fast. Everything in you says sit down, sit down. Silence that voice, stand to your feet. Demonstrate loyalty to God. Today is your day. Now, church, why don't we stand with them and why don't you give God a shout of praise like it was you getting saved today? Come on, why don't we thank Him for His covenant? Why don't we thank Him for His family? Why don't we thank Him for Jesus? God, we love you, Lord. And right now, with no one leaving, no one leave. We're gonna pray. I'm gonna lead you in a prayer. My prayers aren't magical, but I'll lead you in this because the Lord already sees your faith. If you stood to your feet, He already saw your faith. He's already responding to you. He's already responding to you. But why don't you just repeat this after me because a lot of people might be praying it for the very first time. Everyone say, Lord Jesus, this morning I recognize my need for you, that you are everything you said you were, the Son of God the Savior of the world, the King with the coming kingdom. From this day on, I am yours. You are mine. I thank you for the cross that you shed blood. You are the sacrifice in my place. And I make the decision, the declaration to give you my loyalty once and for all. I am yours in your family, a participant in this covenant that you made thousands of years ago. In Jesus' name. And everyone said amen. Amen. Come on, let's thank God one more time. Thank you for tuning in to today's podcast. For more information about Celebration Church or to get in touch with us, please visit celebration.org.